Mighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your own, here in our weakness you find us, falling before your Heavenly Father, you are all in all, Lord Jesus. Father, we just want to humbly come into your presence tonight. Lord, I've done all this, Lord, I believe, here at your command, Lord. We don't just pick a preacher out of a hat, Lord, but Father, we approach these things prayerfully, Lord, and we look to you for what you would have for us. Lord, we ask that you'd come and speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord Jesus, we confess, Lord, that footsteps is possession. We confess, Lord Jesus, that all things you've put, Lord, under your feet, Lord. And Father, we want to sit, Lord, and just rest on your unfailing grace, Lord. And Father, we love you with all our heart. Lord, I've just done a lap around this congregation. I've just walked from the back all the way around to the front. Lord, I ask your presence, Lord, will go all the way to the back tonight. Lord, that it will go all the way downstairs tonight. Lord, that there wouldn't be a stop or somebody say, I wasn't a part. But Lord, even the mother in the nursery, Lord, to the youngest child. Father, we want you, Jesus. Lord, we need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. We see it's coming down to the end of time. And Lord, we need you in our presence. We need you in our hearts, Lord. We want to relinquish our own control over the service, Lord. Both the speaker and the hearer also. That you would have the preeminence and be truly, be our all in all, Lord. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for what you did on Friday. We thank you for being with us yesterday. We thank you for this morning, Lord. But Father, once more, Lord, would you come and meet your children again tonight? In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Knowing, Lord, that Father, if we'd ask anything in that name, you'd give it to us. And we pray these things believing. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians and singers and to the Dole family for, for singing. That was my, I couldn't stay in the office. I had to come out and just be a part of this presence, you know. God is so good. Hey, man, I was humming that song this afternoon. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And I just, as I was walking out the door, my wife couldn't be here tonight. And I said, you know, God's so good. She just looks at me and she says, God is so. And I oh, yes. I was singing that all afternoon. Amen. Amen. Don't you just love him? 
Amen, amen. Let's take our Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 16, Brother Max, I'd like to say the Lord answers prayer. Amen. He was praying for me. He said, I'm going to pray that what you said you're going to preach on tonight, you're going to preach on. So here we are. Amen. And no, it's not what I preached on Friday. <laughs> that was for the young people. It's on the podcast. It's on the stream. If you want to listen to it, you go right on ahead. But, you know, we we're just thankful for what he's doing right now. Amen. We thank him for what he did, but we want to see him move again. And we might pick up some elements of it, but, well, that's just how it is. Luke chapter 16, I want to take a subject tonight. It says, we are not beggars. We are not beggars. And in Luke chapter 16, we find a story that's very familiar to all of us, and it says here in verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And it says that, oh my, then there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Amen. May the Lord have his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. It may seem strange to end perhaps in the middle of a story, but I could probably ask the Sunday school children in here to finish that story, and they all know it. The story of the rich man and the story of the beggar and... It has been many times been said, perhaps that's the same one that was the rich young ruler that turned away and God said, don't you know your soul's required of you? But in all of it, we see the reality of a story begin to unfold of what the world looks at as wealth and not wealth. What the world looks at as one that's rich, dressed in fine raiment, has all the fineries of life is really what it's spelling out. And one that has nothing and even in his physical body is not well. Even in his physical body doesn't seem to be one that is overcoming at all. But we find in the spiritual realm it was a different story. In the spiritual realm there was one man that wasn't doing so good. And maybe there he had a lot of sores in his spirit. But in the, in the natural he was rich. But in the spirit he was just buried and lifted up his eyes in hell. But to the beggar... To the, on the outside, on the inside, there was something a little deeper, that he looked to God. And we find he was carried away. And I want to just ask the question from this, and what is, what is a beggar? What is a beggar? And there's a lot of, of, of you know, today with the political, um, you know, you say everything right and political correctness and everything, you have to they call it different names now. It's not begging anymore. It's something else, and they're not... You know, we don't call them bad things. We call them the homeless. And, you know, it's, it, that's all good. I appreciate that, you know, we talk nice to one another. That's the way we should talk to one another, not derogatory. However, there, there is something they're doing, and that is begging. They're begging for something. And what is a beggar? A beggar is one who continually cannot break out of his current condition for one reason or another. He can't break out of it to attain to something better. 
He can't seem to overcome what's currently ailing him. And, and, and it's even one who just keeps coming back to the same place, never moving on, never going somewhere else, but keeps going back to the same place, looking for someone else to hand them out something that they could live another day. That they could just have a little bit more consistency. That they could just go on just a little bit further. Really, it's an individual that's in a cycle of defeat. You don't look at a beggar on the street side and you say, oh, that guy's overcoming. I wish I was like that guy. No, he's in a cycle of defeat for some reason or another, whether it be drugs or whether it be alcohol or whether it be a sad situation at home or whatever it may be. He's in a cycle now that he can't seem to break out of, even though perhaps in himself he would desire to break out of it. He would desire something better for himself, but there's something that's holding him there that he just can't seem to push beyond the current situation that he's sitting in right now. And that, that's a beggar, and this poor man we find was in a bad state, but that was naturally, not spiritually. And it's God showing us that natural, physical wealth is not a sign of God's approval. Neither is being poor or being uh, underprivileged, naturally speaking, as the world will look at it. That's not a sign of his disapproval. God looks on the inward parts of a man. And tonight I want to speak that we're not beggars, but we're not spiritual beggars. I want to just take it into the spiritual realm and realize we're not spiritual beggars tonight. Wherever you're at financially, I believe the Lord can bless you. But spiritually speaking is the time we want to take our temperature and say, where are we at tonight? Are we sitting in a cycle of defeat, constantly going from one place to the, just back to that same old place, back to that same old place. We got our favorite pew in church that so we just got to be sitting in that pew because that's the one time God met me in that pew, so I got to be in that pew again. God doesn't look to that pew. He's looking at your heart saying, come on up a little higher. Amen. And, but, uh, but now we're, we're not sitting, I want to say, on the sidelines waiting for someone who's better off to give us something so we can just stay alive. Amen. I trust you're not here tonight saying, Brother Andrew, I'm just, I feel like you're better off than I am spiritually. Just give me a little something more. But I trust you came to put something in. Amen. That you didn't just come to sit by the preacher and say, let the preacher be anointed so that I can feel better about my situation. But help us, Lord, as the laity to come anointed and ready to receive, ready to pull, ready to put into the service a equal measure that I'm going to get out of it. Amen. I don't want to just sit there and say, listen, the first five pews were full of the presence of God. Lord, let it go all the way to the back. Amen. That's why you see, maybe to some of you it was strange. I come in the door and I just stood there and I said, Lord, I guess I'm going to do this. Maybe it's embarrassing. I don't know, but I started walking to the back. And I walked across the back and I come up this way. Why? Because footsteps is possession. Amen. And I don't want to just say oh, the first little bit God went. I want to say God went all the way to the back. So brother, sister back there, I done possessed you. Amen. The devils that are tormenting you, they don't have to torment you no more. The things that have been bothering you, Sister Esther, they don't have to torment you anymore. Amen. God is here for you no matter where you're sitting in the pew, no matter if you're downstairs or in the sound booth. God is here for you if you're willing to plug in. Amen. This kingdom is not a kingdom of collectiveness. It's a personal kingdom. Amen. We cannot obtain the kingdom of heaven by the revelation of another. 
You cannot attain it by the revelation we often say of your parents or the revelation of the pastor or the revelation of the person sitting next to you or the fact that you come to an anointed service. It's got to be personal to you. The kingdom of heaven is within an individual. Amen. And we find that the Bible says that it has to be a spiritually in motion because this personal kingdom requires a what? The scripture says in Galatians 5 and 25, it says, if we live in the spirit, we must also walk in the spirit. Amen. Remember, I'm talking spiritually speaking, naturally speaking. Some of us love to go for walks and we like to walk and we like to walk. But what about in the spirit? Are you willing to walk with God or are we just stagnant in the same place like a beggar coming back waiting for somebody else to walk by? I want you to pick up with me another blind man if just over the next the two chapters over a beggar in Luke chapter 18 and verse 35 tells the story of blind Bartimaeus that I'd like tonight just to refer to him as Bartimaeus. It says, and it came to pass that he, as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. He was in a terrible state. We know there was something that had put him there, and it was the fact that he was blind. He couldn't go out and work for himself. He couldn't go around and do his own things. We know Brother Brandon would tell the story. He says, maybe it's just folklore. But we realized he began to tell the story. He says, you know, his, his wife got sick. And he said, Lord, I'll have you heal my wife. He was a believer. He said, I'll give you these turtle doves. They're my income, but I'll give them to you. I'll sacrifice them if, if you'll heal my wife. And then his daughter gets sick. He said, Lord, for the sake of my little daughter, I love her so much. I'll give you my seeing eye lamb. And I'll give her. And he was a real believer, willing to sacrifice his well-being, willing to sacrifice his physical mobility in order to serve God because he knew God was a God not of history but of the present day and he God with the bottom would say gave him a revelation that if you sacrifice this lamb I'll provide a lamb for your eyes amen, amen. and it's the same lamb that's there for our eyes tonight and we find that the scripture would go on in verse 36 and he says in hearing a multitude passed by he asked what it meant amen he wasn't content anymore just to sit by the wayside and beg there was people walking by and he started to realize there's a movement going on there's something happening and I need to be a part of what's happening hallelujah, hallelujah. if we could just pick that up people that are sitting here tonight church of the of God there's something happening in the bride of Christ, not just here in Edmonton, but all across the world. Well, man, you've seen what's happening in Uganda. I can tell you what's happening in Ethiopia. I can tell you what's happening in India. I can tell you what's happening in the United States of America right now. It's a multitude that's passing by. Don't let them pass you by. Stand up and say, i got to go with them somehow. Hallelujah. And he cried saying, verse 38, and Jesus, Jesus the son of David, verse 37 says, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. Notice, they didn't tell him right away, Jesus the Lamb of God. They didn't tell him it's Jesus the son of David. They didn't tell him it's Jesus of Nazareth, but something in there, there was a seed in his heart that it just struck. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they, they which went before rebuked him. That he should hold his peace when he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he, we, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. 
And Jesus called the prayer line and they had a whole convention of meetings and they finally got enough faith. No. It says, and Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. Oh, praise be to God. And many years later. No, it says, and immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God. And all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Think about this. Blind Bartimaeus, it wasn't something that happened way off. Immediately something happened. And immediately it put him into motion. He wasn't content anymore just sitting there. Well, this is all I know. Well, this is my livelihood. This is all I know. So I can see now, praise God. But I'm just going to sit back down and keep begging. No, immediately he followed the Lord and said, let me walk with you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we find, Brother Branham says in the message, Blind Bartimaeus, he says, you know, I think blindness is one of the cruelest things that we can think of. A person, you cannot see the daylight, but if we can think of the natural blindness, how great it is, how much greater is that spiritual blindness to those who have good eyes and cannot see the promises of God? Oh my, how much greater is that? As we said, we look in the natural and see beggars and see this, but what about in the spiritual? There's nothing more sad than someone who's crushed by a devil, by a demon, crushed down where he can't get up. He can't see if you just call on Jesus tonight. Oh my, Revelations chapter 3, verse 18 of the, the commission to the, to the uh, uh, Laodicean church age. It says, I counsel thee. To buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes. Brother Brown says, notice it doesn't say buy. It doesn't say buy, thy, buy thine eyes some have. It says anoint thine eyes with have. You can't put a price on the Holy Ghost. You can't purchase it. It can't be bought. There was a man named Simon in the Bible that tried to buy it. And they said, you can't buy this. you got to have a birth. He says, anoint thine eyes with eyes that thou mayest see. Hallelujah. Here's a man, if I could just try and slow down a minute. Here's a man that's sitting by the highway. We read it in, in, in chapter 18, verse 135. It says that he was sitting... By the highway, by the wayside, begging. He was by the wayside. He was beside the road. There's another way. We know the children of Israel. I just want to pull a type out of this. The children of Israel, if you want to, you can look it up. We won't turn to it. Numbers chapter 20. That Moses would begin to talk to the children of Edom, I believe it was, where he says, Let me pass by through your land. We'll just stick on the king's highway. We know that the King's Highway, it was a trade route that went through. And he says, yeah, let us uh, pray thee through thy country. We'll not pass through the fields or through the vineyards. Neither will we drink the water of the wells. We will go by the King's Highway. The King's Highway was a trade route. People were going that way all the time. This wasn't something that he was asking, that he's saying, listen, let, let us go this way. And, you know, uh, you know, I know it's closed land and we do, you don't really let people through here, but just give us a special pass. No, this was a common trade route. There was lots of people passing this way and that way on this trade route. But when it come to a son of God saying, let me go down this way, all of a sudden all the devils were saying, no. We don't want you to pass this way. You're going to have to take the long way around. 
You can read it in Numbers chapter 20 if you want to. I'm not going to read it to save time. But this is a trade route that led from Egypt up beyond the Canaan's land. It says there was, it was the most direct and the best traveled route to get to the promised land. And let me tell you, when you want to walk, we sing that song, Walking Up the King's Highway. Amen. My way gets brighter, my load gets lighter, and it makes it sound like, oh, it's just a beautiful breeze of roses and everything's wonderful walking up the king's highway. But let me tell you, if you get on that king's highway, every devil in hell is going to fight you. Because he is not happy because he knows where that way leads. He knows that there's a stop on that way that says this way to Canaan's land. This way to the promised land. And he knows that footsteps is possession. So he doesn't want you taking that way. He says, son of God, you better take the other way. And I can tell you he's got no problem with, with the other way traffic. He tries to tell you this is a one way. It's a one way street. You can only travel south. You can only go down. I don't know if any of you ever heard that. Devil's tried to tell me that. So that revelation ain't for you. That's for that brother because he's a great brother and he's, no, it's for you. Amen. Amen. The word of God is for the believer. Every devil will fight you because it leads to the promised land. You say, I want to be born again. Just stay on the king's highway. No matter how badly Satan battles you, just keep walking. And it's a trade route. It's a trade route. The more you pick up of the revelations of God, you're going to have to trade in the cares of the world. Notice this King's Highway, if you want to put it on a map, it's not inside Canaan's land. It's outside Canaan's land. They weren't already in the land. They were outside. They were going to their possession. They were going to cross over. They were going to those things. And as they come along this way, they had to get to a certain place of justification. And if you want to get to justification, you're going to have to trade in the lusts of the flesh. If you're going to want to get to a place of sanctification, you're going to have to trade in the lust of the eyes. If you're going to want to ever cross over into the promised land, you're going to have to trade that one in for the pride of life. You're going to have to take the things of the flesh and trade them off if you're going to keep walking up the king's highway. Hey, man, if you want to hang on to any one of those things, you can sit down by the side of the highway and become a beggar and wait for the next traveler to pass by. And maybe feed you a little something more. And maybe just keep you alive a little more. I say, let's not stop by the wayside. Let's not stop there and just say, well, you know, maybe someday I'll go on. Oh, no. Bartimaeus was by the wayside. He never, he had become stale in his life, but he was still a believer. He could have cried out. Like we told the story that Brother Branham tells, he could have tried cried out, Lord, I gave you my lamb and my doves. Please, for my sake. I've done this for you. Please do this for me. No, he cried out and addressed him as son of David. Hallelujah. He was saying, my king. Oh, my. There's a lot of people that had a lot of different things to call Jesus, but Bartimaeus caught a revelation, said, my king, Jesus, thou son of David, because I'm a Jew, and if you're a son of David, then you're my king. Amen. And he says, my king, have mercy on me. I'm not going to give you my sob story. Just remember me. Hallelujah. Have mercy on me. And it put God into motion. Hallelujah. It put even blind Bartimaeus into motion. Blind Bartimaeus, he never went back to that same spot again. He didn't follow him for a couple years. I'm sure maybe, I don't have thus said the Lord on this, but maybe he was one of the ones in the upper room. 
<laughs> there was Bain Bartimaeus. He followed that long and thought, man, I got to get to that upper room. There was 120 of them up there, and he wasn't willing to miss out. Oh, my. Oh, my. He didn't go back to that spot. He didn't go back there and say, well, this is where everybody knows me. The only time he might have gone back by Jericho was maybe to pick up a few more hitchhikers to say, come on with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, my. There's no need for begging when the king has come. When Jesus calls, there's no more need for begging. Just follow him. Brother, Brother Danny, if you want to put that slideshow up there, we'll just, it's just real short. I'm going to just take a, a quick moment on this and then we'll get right back into it. Walking with the Lord. Walking with God. This is actually a slideshow I took with the young people years and years ago. I can actually say that now. I've been here that long. Amen. But walking with God, what I actually called it then the power of desire. But I want to just take this, and you know, we say this, how to get to heaven, right? If you just get justified, if you just get sanctified, if you just get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've arrived. Oh, my, sounds beautiful, doesn't it? But that's the minimum requirement. That's the bare minimum. You're not going to make it into heaven without getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's still blessing for those. you got ones that are, uh, you got ones, I was talking to Brother Friday night. There's lots of people that are around the New Jerusalem. There's nations on the other side that are around. I don't know who that is. And there's a blessing for those that have stayed true to what they believe and, and live to God the best that they know how. But you know what? There's something greater for a bride. The bride's not meant to stay outside the city. The bride is the city. Amen. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the minimum required. you got to be in Christ because that's who he's coming for. But that's not even where it all ends. That's just the beginning. If you notice, it's kind of squished in there, but I slide that all in. Predestination, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's just the beginning. And then you start to go into a tutorship, and there's sonship, and there's intimate relationship with Christ, and seen in heavenly places, and walking with God, and was not. That's Enoch, rapturing faith. But I had another thing into here where you notice it's, it's I die daily. There's one birth, but there's many refillings. And there's even an overlap of dying out to yourself. If you die out to yourself, there's, there's justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's an element of you that you need to lay down on the altar, that you need to die out to your own self. And every day you need to continually lay that down because he could refill you. But there's also a whole other aspect that you can't attain to. It's God's work in your life. We can't attain to sonship, but God gives it by his grace because we're faithful in the things that he's given us to do. Oh, my. That's the end of that. Thank you. I just wanted to lay that out real shortly for you so you could just understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's a walk. There is something that gets put into motion at the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it becomes something that you now are in motion and it's not you that's living, but it's Christ that lives in you doing the works. Yeah. Hallelujah. You talk about it has to be by two or three witnesses. Not everything that God's ever done, if it's be done, you know, let it be by two or three witnesses. But listen, Jesus come in and he said, they said, well, who's testifying of you? He said, my father. Say, so who's testifying of what God's done in your life? There's a life in me. That's testifying. I don't got to pull it in and say, brother, listen, this is what God did for me. Can you witness to that? No, it's personal. 
And there's a second witness, which is the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are the sons of God. Now, there's a lot of people in the message I know that are setting by the king's highway. Waiting for one who's rich in faith, revelation, and wisdom to come on by and give them something to feed on. We need to break this cycle. That ones would sit there. Lord, help our young people never to sit there and say, I just need the next camp service. I just need the next special meetings. We don't even want old people that want to sit there and say, if I just could get my favorite preacher. I've been in the message a long time. I've seen a lot of movements of God. I'm waiting for something to top the last one. That's a spiritual beggar that's waiting for somebody else to come do it for you. Oh, my. You could even say, I know the experiences I once had. I know what I was delivered from. Oh, church, this is some, some of the saddest conditions. I talked with a man one time, doesn't go to this church, and he's a message believer, but he was telling me, and I, I was walking a defeated life. And I went with him in his car trying to encourage him, and he finally turned and said, Listen, I know what kind of experience I had. I know where I'm standing. I know, and I'm looking at him like, You're addicted to drugs. And you're, you're addicted. You're telling me you're born again? He says, I know. And oh, Lord, help him. Open his eyes. Lord, help us never to get in that place where we say, oh, I know what God did for me. That's wonderful. But are you still walking? Or have you sat down and said, no, I'm going to build myself a camp right here. And I'm just going to stay here. And I know what God did. The children of Israel could remember the ten plagues. They could remember the death angel. They could remember and say, I had to slay that lamb. I had to apply the blood to the doorpost. I had to apply the blood to the lentils. And every one of them died. Think about it. Paul writes about it in the New Testament. He says, he delivered them out of the Israel, and they all died in the wilderness. Oh, my, you can't point to the past and say, but God did that. I remember the Red Sea experience. I remember how God separated us from the world, and all those things that once tormented us were drowned away. But have you allowed them to creep back into your life? Oh, my. When it came time to cross, Brother Red made a statement. Just set a little fire in my heart this week. Last Sunday, he said, I don't want to go another 40 years because we weren't ready. I'm with you, Brother Red. I don't want to go another 40 years wandering around in the desert thinking I'm, I'm, I'm good enough right here. Lord, help me to sanctify myself. Help me to lay aside the things of the world. Help me to, to press on and run up the king's highway. Oh, God bless you, Sister Andrew sang that song. said, we're not walking, we're running. Consider this our second wind. Hey, Amen. You say, oh, that person ought to be tired. You ever seen a marathon runner run a long race? And it just seems like he just keeps going and going. And going, and you're like, man, he ought to be getting tired right now. I'm tired watching him. But he just comes to the end, and finally we get right down to the end, and all of a sudden he's sprinting. Why? Because it's the end. The finish line is in sight. He's not dropping over and saying, oh, man, I almost made it good enough for me. You know, second, third, whatever. I'll just roll the rest of the way in. No, he's sprinting to the end. 
Oh, bride of Christ, where are we at? We're that close to the finish. Are we stopped and sat down and said it's such a beautiful sight at the end? Or have we decided to put our running shoes off and run to the finish line? Hallelujah. Let us go on and possess all the land. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 said, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and he lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, and set him among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. Oh my, you say, but I, I think I'm a beggar right now, Brother Andrew. You're kind of outlining my situation. You don't have to stay there. There's a God here that can ignite the fire. Oh, Friday night we preached and I just took the title, Light It Up! Oh, Lord, we've come to a place where we've sacrificed, we've been feeding in the Word, but Lord, let the fire of the Holy Spirit consume our lives. Don't let us become stagnant in the message and make some kind of a denomination around it and think we're good enough where we're at. No, sir. We need Christ in us. We need to be the Word incarnate in flesh once again. Hallelujah. Oh, we ought to be so in the Word of God, not just preachers, but laity, studying the Word of God. You say, it's not my gift, Brother Andrew, to rightly divide the Word. No, I understand that. You don't have to stand up here and preach, but you've got a calling. No matter who you are, you're the least of Christians or you're the greatest of Christians, you're called to be in the Word, to study the Word. Don't just read it and say, well, I don't understand it. I'll just wait for someone to come and, you know, reveal it to me. You know, I had an experience, it was earlier, no, it was last year. There was a brother in this church and a good friend of mine, and, and he, he was praying, he was reading a scripture, and this is a good testimony, he was reading a scripture, and he didn't understand it, he didn't understand it, he didn't call me. You know, he didn't call me up. You know what he did? He called the Lord. He got on his knees and said, Lord, I don't understand what this scripture means, would you show it to me? God bless him. And you know what happened? That Sunday night I was preaching... He could have just as easily picked up the phone and called me, but he wasn't willing to beg. He was willing to get on his knees before God and say, God, you show me. And that Sunday night, I was sitting in the back office, and I was preaching a totally different subject. And God said, put this scripture, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 2, in your notes, and you're going to preach it verse by verse, and you're just going to explain it. I went, okay. I come down to the service, I pull up 1 Peter chapter 2, and I just start going verse by verse. And he come up to me after the service, he said, Brother Andrew, God did that just for me. Because I was praying yesterday. Let me tell you something. That's not a beggar. That's a man that's walking up the king's highway and says, Lord, you give me revelation. And how did God do it? Through the preaching of the word, completely unrelated to the service. And God came on the scene. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my God is still God today. It's not a God of yesterday. There was another man. All right, young people, here we go. There was another young man that was a eunuch of the Ethiopians. And he was sitting in a chariot one day reading the word of God. And he was reading in there where David said, my bones, they, they stare at me and they pierce my side. And, and he's really thinking about David. He said, where did that happen in David's life? And he has to learn to read about Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Oh, my, and Moses, and the writings of Moses, and Moses begins to say, he'll raise up a prophet like I to myself. He says, who's he talking about? What's going on? I don't understand it. And all of a sudden, as he's sitting there, there's a man running beside the chariot. That man wasn't down the road somewhere. He was way up north. 
And God said, I got near to you because somebody's praying down here. Because somebody's talking to me down here. And it's saying, Lord, reveal to me your word. So he brought a man called Philip from way up north and put him down beside the chariot and let him run there for a while. Let him run there. You see, it's hard work, Brother Andrew, digging in the word. Absolutely, it's hard work. But you got to dig in. Get the shovel out, not the pitchfork. Hey, man, you got to dig into the word. You got to get in there and unveil, reveal the nuggets, the gold. Oh, if you ever done any gold panning, I did just a little bit in a museum once. I still got the gold nuggets sitting in my, the gold flakes, sorry. Nuggets is a bit, you know, generous. But the gold flakes are sitting in my office at home. But you sit there, and I, I almost gave up already. I'm just the gold pan, just sifting like, man, this is boring. People do this all the time. But, you know, they find that when you start finding a few nuggets, it gets addicting. It's the same way with the Word of God. You might the first time you start picking up a message book and reading it, and you start comparing it, read the scriptures that Brother Brandon was saying, and you go back to the Bible and say, what was he talking about there? And I don't understand what he's saying. Your Lord, show me. You begin to pray. You go, God, this is so exhausting. This is so hard. Why is the word? But pretty soon you find a revelation. You start jumping around, and then you say, give me more. Give me more. I keep coming back to the well of grace. For sweet is the power. Sweet is the taste. Great is the power. Hallelujah. Oh, my Oh, my. Oh, my. The message speak to the rock. Brother Branham says there's people here tonight that was in wheelchairs a night or two ago. Oh, my. I can say this right now. There's people here tonight that about two nights ago, they were in spiritual wheelchairs. (laughs) Come on, young people. You weren't into it this morning, but come on, young people. Oh, he says, they're walking up and down. They're walking around now. It depends on what you look at. If you're looking at your affliction, you'll never go any further. Oh, my, if you keep looking at the tormentor, you're never going to get past him. But just start to look beyond the tormentor and look to the promise of God, and you can be delivered. He says, if you look to the promise of God, you have a right to every redemptive blessing that God promised in his word is yours. It's a right. Oh, and Christians always look to the unseen things. Hallelujah. We read about the rich man and the beggar. The world might have been looking at the rich man. Oh, he's a great man. But the real Christian, they were looking to the unseen. I love that picture that I have in my office, and we're using it on the track here, Lord willing, where you have Jesus, and there's the rich man, and Jesus is pointing over to the beggar. He says so much to me. Why? Because he's realizing there's something in that beggar that's so much greater than all the wealth and the riches that this rich man has. Because the beggar wasn't looking to the great things of the world. He was looking to the unseen. Oh, my. He says, here's the old, whole armor of a Christian. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience. It's all unseen forces that work in the heart of a believer. Amen. That's right. We spent a lot of time on it Friday talking about how the devils are real. In the message, how can I overcome? I have the quote here, too. Brother Bannon says, the devil is a person. He's just as real as you and I are real. But I want to tell you, so is God. So are the angels of the Lord, and they are ministering spirits sent to you. Amen. And so are the promises of God. They are real. So is the armor of God. It's more real. Hallelujah. 
It's an unseen force that works in the heart of the believer. Amen. We look to things we do not see. If you're a child of Abraham, then we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. That's natural sight, and faith is your spiritual eyesight. Faith has long-range vision. Oh, praise be to God. I so appreciate it this morning. Oh, my. You know, it's so easy to preach the services like the eagle. that get up, you just scream, and everybody, oh, praise God, majestic bird. But when a man gets under the burden of the word like an ox, it does something. God bless you, Brother Ed. So good to be in the house of God today. John says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, we are now, we are now, are the sons of God. And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when we, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That takes another eyesight. Amen. This eye isn't going to see him. These eyes aren't going to see that. But in the faith realm, there's something molding the believer on the inside into the image of Jesus Christ. Till when you come into him, it begins to appear. It's like a mirror. Yeah. Oh, mama, that's me. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says in Jairus, secret believer, hope this is all right with you because I'm just having a good time. says you don't look at your affliction. You don't look at your affliction. You keep your eyes on the promise giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on his word. He's the one who promised. He watches over it to perform it. He keeps you in the hollow of his hand. And in the depths of his heart, his promises are embedded. His word has to be true. He says, get your mind off your sickness. Well, that encompasses everybody, whether you're born again or whether you're not born again. Get your mind I'm in the spirit realm right now. Get your mind off your sickness. Stop dwelling on those things. Say, oh, you don't understand. Listen, Bain Bartimaeus could have sat there and dwelled on it and said, oh, God, I've been blind for so many years. It's so hard all the time. I keep just bumping into things, and I, I don't know where I'm going, and everything's just terrible. Yeah. He was looking at that at all. He said, Jesus. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Don't leave me in this condition. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. Get your mind off your sickness. Then he goes a little farther. Get your mind off of your troubles. So I'm not sick in my body. Get your mind off your troubles. Get your mind off your troubles. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. I'm not sickness, but the devil's been troubling me. I got lost. I got this problem. I got that problem. I got depression. I can't stop watching pornography. Get your mind off your troubles. And start looking to the promise and say, Dear God, I can't overcome, but you are more than an overcomer. Oh, hallelujah. Let's look a little farther into Luke chapter 11. You got a right to these scriptures. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Don't you love the Lord? Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says, And I say unto you, Ask. Put your name in there. I say unto you, 
Ask and it shall be given you. Seek. There's something you got to do. Seek. You got to search it out. But as a promise, you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Hallelujah. It's not just knocking and say, well, I guess it's not for me. Keep knocking. Knock a little bit harder. Oh, praise be to God for everyone that asketh, receiveth. Brother Brown says, listen, the devil's trying to tell you that you, you, you're sick and like that. You just need more patience. And that's what God's doing. That he's made you sick, so you just need more patience to just put up with it. He says, that's a lie of the devil. No. Everything, every promise in the word is for you. It doesn't look for tomorrow. All it's waiting for is your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Submit yourselves. James chapter 4, verse 7. Sorry, chapter, verse 10, I'll just read it while you're turning there. Verse 10 says, Everyone that asketh receiveth, everyone that seeketh findeth, to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. We don't have to run away from the devil. We flee temptation, but resist the devil. We don't resist and go as close as we can to temptation. No, flee from the temptation. But the devil's going to try and stay with you and continually resist him. Look beyond him. Oh my, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Oh my, there's something for you to do. Draw nigh unto God. You can't just walk around and sit by the wayside and say, well, I'm good enough right here. God will just come and pick me up one day. No, get back on the road. If all you can do tonight is crawl, start crawling. If you could just limp along, start limping. Start believing and don't put your eyes on the limp. Put your eyes on the promise and God will straighten that limp out. Hallelujah. Don't put your eyes on how hurtful your knees are. See, I've been kneeling a long time. I've been just crawling up the king's highway. These rocks and these stones, they hurt. Let God give your legs strength to stand up. Just keep moving. Hallelujah. He says this. He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted. It's not easy. You want to be born again and want to live for the Lord? It's not easy. It's not better roses. He says, be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Oh my, it's not how good I can make myself look. Say, Lord, if this is what a Christian walk is, let it be. But when the time comes, you'll lift me up. You'll give me strength. You'll help me to overcome. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, the words of Jesus says, And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions. Listen, you might say, if you back up a verse, Brother Andrew, he's talking to the 70. Uh huh. And tell me one time God ever retracts promises. That's where denominations come in. The apostolic age is over. Brother Branham says, show me where it ever ended. I'll show you where it started. You tell me where it ended. Because it sure didn't. It's still going on today. It didn't even end with Brother Branham. It didn't end. 
happened to read an article the other day where they said, you know, they thought that William Branham was forerunner of, of the second coming of Christ, but that went belly up when he died in 65. I went, really? I don't find that. Where are you looking? Because that's not where I'm looking. It didn't go belly up at all. It's still just running strong. Hallelujah. Oh, my, when John was put in prison, it didn't stop the second and first coming of Christ. It still happened. Oh, my. He says this, you shall give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, I know the world would love to take that carnally, but he wasn't talking carnally. He was talking spiritually. You got demons and you got all kinds of serpents. You got all kinds of scorpions. They got all kinds of different figurements, but they're real powers, but you have power because you believe to tread on them. And all over and over all the power of the enemy. Oh, my. All the power of the enemy. Oh, my. You say, oh, but what about cancer? I know a man. (laughs) Hallelujah. What about depression? I know a few people. Let them tread all over that. What about anxiety? I know a few people. Oh, my. What about autism? I know a man. God is more than able to make you tread right over the power of that enemy. Because all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, hallelujah. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon. I have given you as I said unto Moses. Hallelujah. But he says also in verse 20, he says, notwithstanding in this rejoice not. I know how much you all just rejoiced over that. But what about this one? Rejoice because your name. I got a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Hallelujah. I know the author of creation. And it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Hallelujah. I'm not waiting for someone else to possess it. I'm not going to sit by the wayside and say, Brother, God bless you. Carry on. Alms, alms to the poor. No, it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Hallelujah. You're going to have to beat me in the race if you want it. Because I got something to rejoice about. God is mine. That's what that means when you see your new name. When you see your name written in the last book of life. It means Jesus Christ is yours. For all of eternity. Oh, and we'll be able to just sit and look at him. and Oh, it'll be wonderful. Won't it be wonderful there? No more burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Glory be to God. What a time it'll be. I'm just rejoicing, Brother Seth. God bless you, buddy. He took a sword drill on, on Friday night. And he took that sword drill on our heavenly home. Oh, yes. There's a man. How old are you, Brother Seth? 18. Oh, my. The world would say he ought to be looking at getting his earthly home in order. Who's he going to marry? Who's he going to spend his life? What kind of a job is he going to have? What kind of a home is he going to have? But he says, no, I got my mind on a different home. Hallelujah. I got my mind on a different home. I like that song Brother Donnie Reagan sings. I'm so far off my notes. Forgive me. But I like that song Brother Donnie Reagan sings. I should be looking for a new house. The windows and the shutters are letting in the cold, cold air. But all I can get on my mind is leaving. 
Hallelujah. There's something about this world. I just can't stand it any longer. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 16, verse 20, it says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Tonightly. Amen. The God of peace. Who's going to do it? It's not me putting the devil down there. He put him down there. It's not how much I can serve and how much I can do. It's how much I can lay down my life before God and say, Lord, have the preeminence in my life. Take control of my being. Don't let me walk in my own well as we preach Friday night. Put it on the altar. We'll pour the water of the word over it. Let God consume the sacrifice. Oh, my. We didn't even get to finish Friday because you know what happened after that. (laughs) God consumed the sacrifice and Elijah said, now. Those prophets of Baal, don't let them escape. Kill them, everyone. Hallelujah. Oh, my. says in the message, how can I overcome? He said, overcome means to recognize the devil at every one of his tricks. Oh, my. A lot of people say there's no devil. It's just a thought. Don't you believe that? There's a real devil. He's just as real as you are or nobody, anybody else. Let me tell you, that's the greatest trick the devil's pulled over on Laodicea. Tried to make them think he's not really real. It's just a thought. You just carry on forever. You live, you die, one wonderful life. No, there's a real devil. Oh my, and he says, that real devil, you must recognize him real. You must know he's a devil. Then the same time that you recognize him and know that he's a devil, he's against you then to overcome. Oh my, soon as you recognize that's a devil, he's against you. He's got no problem hiding in the closet. Because he knows as long as he's hidden and, unaw- and you're unaware of him, you ain't going nowhere. He knows that as long as he can hide in your life, but as soon as he's exposed, he's powerless. So he'll fight with everything he's got, but he's like a beat cat in the corner. You ever corner a dog? Don't. Spiritually, do it every day. I happened to watch a, a lady one time, just a dog lover, and she just, she seen this big dog was off the leash and she was loose, and this stranger got out of her car, and she jumped out of her car, and she, I'm going to help this owner. She cornered that big dog down there. I thought, oh, girl, what are you doing? And that dog jumped out and latched onto her arm. And she, ah, screaming and falls backwards. And I thought, oh, man, that dog don't know you. That's the way the devil is. When you get down in there, but you notice it ain't you. It's the Lord Jesus fighting for you. And he knows the Lord Jesus. That's why when he went down, young people, remember we were talking about how the, Jesus went down. He went right down to the lowest regions of hell and he kicked in the door. Remember, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Lucifer couldn't do nothing. There was a look of shock on his face because all of a sudden that recognition kicked in. That's the one that kicked him out of heaven the first time. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Hallelujah. So who's fighting for you? The devil might think he's got you, and I want to help you out a little bit because I heard a story this last week. A man was telling about his coach one time. He's a professional hockey player, and he says his coach came in one time. And said, you know, boys, I was just talking to the other team's coach. And he said, their guys think this game's going to be a cakewalk. They think it's going to be easy because we're such a horrible team. And he turned around and walked out. 
And he said, it put such a fire in their heart. They came out of there from minute one to the end of the game, and they beat the other team like nothing else. Because they thought, do you think we're going to be easy? We're going to fight with everything we got. So I'm going to tell you tonight, the devil thinks he's going to beat you this week. He thinks he's going to beat you this week, young person, because you had a victory on Friday. Oh, middle-aged person, I'll just go there. You think you have a victory tonight. The devil thinks he's going to beat you this week. You're going to sit down by the side and take it? Oh, my. Yes, this is evangelistic teaching. It says, you must recognize that God in you is greater and mightier than he is. That's the words of Brother Adam. He says, that's the one that's in you has already overcome him. And by his grace, you are more than a match for him. Oh, hallelujah. It doesn't matter how big the dog is or how scary looking the scorpion is. You are more than a match for him. He doesn't stand a chance. Oh, no wonder Paul could say, death, where's your sting at? Well, because there was a day, one day, when he stung the Lord Jesus, thought I had him, and he was sitting there for a while trying to pull the stinger out. Couldn't get it out. Finally ran high, tail tucked down back to hell. I said, I don't know what happened. Death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Greater is he that's in you. Oh, my, no wonder Abraham could say, even if I got to sacrifice my only son, God gave him to me as one from the dead. He'll give him to me again. Amen. He's more than able to raise him up. Hallelujah. Faith is the victory that overcomes every curse of the devil. Faith is the victory. Hallelujah. Still got a bit more time? Good. Because I haven't reached an hour yet. That's just for all the clock watchers. We've got to give them something to. Sorry. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquity. He said, Brother Andrew, we, we recite this scripture all the time. Isaiah 53, man, doesn't it ever get old? No, it gets better every time. Amen. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we... Possibly someday. No, we were healed. After he, Brother Branham says, the rock was once smitten. God told Moses, go on, Moses. The only thing you have to go now is speak to the rock. From this time on, every time you need water, speak to it. You don't have to smite it anymore. You don't have to pound all night long. You don't have to worry and beg and pray and fast and go on. Oh, my, Jesus says, when the king is in their midst, when the bridegroom has come, why would the bride fast? It's a feasting time. We don't have to be begging and all these kinds of things. He said, just speak to the rock. It will bring forth its waters. Speak to the rock. It will bring forth waters. Hallelujah. I was talking to young people. I said, listen, they went and got 12 barrels of water. After it hadn't rained for three and a half years. Where they got that water? Maybe Elijah spoke to the rock. He said, there will not do come or rain fall from heaven until I speak for it. But then Elijah said. It was Elijah that said, there'll be water when I call for it. And it was Elijah that said, go get 12 barrels of water. 
That's where they got the rock. That's where they got the water from. It was the word being made manifest right in their midst. Before the fire even fall, God was already moving. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my. One time there was a woman with a blood issue. Oh, my. In the Bible, there was a woman with a blood issue. All that she had was lost. She couldn't be healed by the doctor. She came down along the bank one day, and she seen the spiritual rock just rolling by. Oh, my. She wasn't willing to just let it go. She spoke to that rock, and the rock poured out for her. There was another man named Jairus. He was a secret believer. He was just sitting by the wayside, not wanting anyone to know that he was a real believer. So he'd sit there by the wayside when nobody's watching. He'd just take a few side steps closer. He just kicked a few more side steps. But you can only do that for so long because pretty soon you got a need in your life. Just like Jairus where he began to have a need in his life and he said, my daughter's dying. And the doctor said she's dead. When he ought to have gone and got the coffin, he went and got his hat. Put his hat on and said, I'm going to see Jesus. Hallelujah. He didn't go to get the undertaker. Maybe that's what his wife thought. You want to get the undertaker, Hunter? No, 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 no. I'm going to get the overtaker. I'm going to get the Lord Jesus so he can overtake the devil for me. Amen. Because we're going to overcome this one. I don't know how, but it's just going to happen. So he got down there to where the rock was. He didn't get down there and start smiting the rock. He spoke. He didn't get on his knees and start bang. Oh, God, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm actually a believer. I've been a secret for so long, but Lord, would you, you know? He said, Lord, I got a need now. Your word says, would you just come by my way tonight? There were some women named Mary and Martha. Oh, yeah, they had a need one time. Their, 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 their brother was down in the grave, and she was rotting away. Four days dead, but finally there come Jesus. They didn't get all boo-hoo and tore up. When Jesus come by, that was before. They were boohoo and tore up, and all the mourners were there. But when they heard Jesus was come, put him in motion. She started running to go meet Jesus. I'm going to see the rock. And she started speaking to the rock. And what was her confession? It was a good confession. Lord, I know that you're the resurrection and the life. Lord, I know that when the resurrection comes, my, my, he will rise again. He said, oh, I just told you believe. She said, I, I, I believe. Then roll away the stone. Yes, Lord. By now he stinks. The flesh still gets in the way sometimes, you know. When there's a miracle fix that happens, sometimes the flesh gets in the way. Do I really got to do that? Yeah. You're acting all crazy. You're jumping around. You're doing all this. Sometimes the flesh gets in the way. But lately, I'm not so sure how much dot I am right now. Oh, my. There was another man. Oh, my. You know, usually when you go boating, you don't want rocks in your boat. Because rocks tend to make boats sink. But there was a boat one time that was out there, and it was getting tossed about by the waves, and there was 12 disciples on the boat, and they realized, we got a rock. And they begin to speak to the rock, Lord, don't you care that we die? What are you doing sleeping right there? And he says, oh, you of little faith. I'm the rock. Let the water of the word come out. What would the word say? Peace be still. And it was still. Oh, my. Why? Because they were on speaking terms with the rock. Let me ask you tonight. Are you on speaking terms with the rock? 
Are you on speaking terms where you walk in the right direction or have you turned around the wrong way and started walking south on the king's highway? Or maybe you're just sitting by the wayside undecided. Caleb and Joshua heard about them this morning, so I'll just capitalize on it. Caleb and Joshua, they brought back grapes. There was 10 spies that went to the same land. They saw the same fruit. They saw milk and honey, and they came back empty-handed. Oh, man. They were so busy being sneaky. Don't want the devil seeing me. I'm going to sneak around the message church. There was Joshua and Caleb. Such a big cluster. Two guys had to carry it. It didn't matter who saw them. They're spies. Just, how you doing, giant? They weren't worried about it. These were huge clusters. They said, well, we're bringing this back. And let me tell you, when you finally get in Canaan's land, if you ever taste and see that the Lord is good, it'll start producing some fruits that you can't help but show it off. You can't help but show it to your brothers, your sisters. If it gets to manifest and push out of you, you can say, I don't know what's making me do this, but I can't help it. I don't know why I'm having such a rejoicing time, but I can't help it because every devil in hell is defeated. It doesn't matter how many giants see me. I just wave and say, you're about to die. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. When they got back, the Holy Ghost experience will manifest the fruits. It has such an effect on Joshua that he came to speaking terms with the rock. (laughs) It has such an effect on him that when they finally, years later, they finally got across the promised land with the next generation, and there he is thinking, how am I going to take Jericho? I know. I'll speak to the rock. (laughs) Because I know it wasn't me that was able to walk in this land and take a bunch of grapes out. It wasn't me that was able to take those kings back there. It wasn't me that was able to do all that. It was God that did that. So it's God that's going to give me this land. So he got out there and he met one on the backside. And he began to pull his sword. He said, are you with me or are you against me? He said, nay, but I am the, the captain of the host of the army of the Lord. Oh my, I'm the one you're looking to speak with. And Joshua spoke with the rock. And let me tell you, a shout came and the walls fell down. Oh, hallelujah. I just love it the way Brother Ed said. He said, when you get walking around, you might just be looking at this one simple column. You might, I don't know how the walls are going to come. Shout, and that will come down. And your brother will shout, and that will come down. And your brother will shout, and that will come down. And eventually all of Jericho is going to come down. Oh, Jericho's wall has got to come down, come down, come down. Oh, my. Oh, my. You got 10 more minutes? All right. I'm at an hour now, so 10 more minutes. John chapter 8. You know what's amazing is the more I wear these things, the more I need them. But the more I get in the presence of God, the more I don't need them. That's amazing to me. I get why I see preachers take them off now. It says, and Jesus answered, John chapter 8 and verse 54. He says, if I honor myself, 
my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me. Of whom he say, he say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. What a place to put him in. So listen, if I say what you're telling me to say, I'm going to be a liar. I know him. And he says, and I know him and I keep his saying. And your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You know, if you would have stopped there, they might have been able to swallow it. But he said, and he saw it and was glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. He rejoiced to see it. I can say of John where he said, what does it hinder you if the one that sits in my bosom would, would remain till I come? John laying there. Forgive me, I'm misquoting the scripture a little bit. But he finally, he's saying, what if John is still alive when I come back? If he sees that day. And you know what? He did. God showed it to him. And he wrote down the book of Revelations. And I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride. He saw that day. And there's a lot of people that want to debate what that is, if it's this, if it's that, if it's that, if it's this high, that high, this high, that. But we had a prophet of God that came and he saw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. And he didn't just see the bride coming down. Oh, I like this. This is fresh in. He saw the bride going up. Yeah. <laughs> he saw a vision. He didn't just see that there was a bride there coming down, but he saw future tense. There's a bride going up. Yeah. Oh, there's a place in there for me and you that there's a bride that's still marching to the tune of onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Amen. And we're walking up into the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Oh, my. But the Brown says in the seventh seal, he says this, is it may be time, it may be the hour now that this great person that we're expecting to rise on the scene may rise on the scene. He's preaching the seventh seal. Now, if you're a believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's preaching Jesus Christ. And he says, this great person, Jesus Christ, that we're expecting to rise on the scene may arise at any time. Maybe this ministry, speaking of the ministry God gave him, that I've tried to take people back to the word has laid a foundation and if it has, it'll be leaving, I'll be leaving you for good. <laughs> Hallelujah. There you go. You just press play. Oh my, no, sir. He says, I just laid the foundation over here because Jesus is going to come and step down on that foundation and he's going to receive all the glory. He's the one that's going to finish the work. He's the one that's going to be in the hearts of the people. He's the one that will be incarnate once again in flesh. Oh my, he says this, he says, listen, I'll be leaving you for good. There won't be two of us at the same time. See if it is. He'll increase, I'll decrease. I don't know. Oh, it can't be more plain than that. You just go back in the scripture. Let me find the scripture reference for that. Oh, there it is. Right there where John says, I must decrease. He must increase. That's the first half of Malachi 4, 5 and 6. Now there's a second half that says, William Branham must decrease, and he must increase. Hallelujah. Says, I'm sure you noticed these things that's been happening this week. 
I just love how he says in the seals. He kind of puts it off. Maybe it's coming, maybe it's coming. And this ministry maybe brings a little closer. And he says, and I'm sure you noticed this week. I'm sure you noticed a little Collins boy laying there dying the other night with that little leukemia girl. The kingdom of God is coming. And it's becoming more from the negative to the positive. As it has been. Now that oughtn't to choke you up. From justification to sanctification to baptism of Holy Ghost. And then here. Huh? I thought the baptism of the Holy Ghost was the end. Remember when I showed up there? That's just the start. He says, you get the justification, you get the sanctification, you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you could go on unto the perfection of Jesus Christ in you. He says, we're just drawing closer to God all the time. I'm going to hurry up a little bit here because I only got 10 minutes of that 15 left. Or did I ask for 10? I can't remember. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, all envyings, all evil speakings. You heard about that this morning. Lay it aside. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, uh, you may grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted of that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, yeah. He'll give you a couple of things. No, everything. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of man, but chosen of God and precious. What are we coming to? The rock. He's still here. Oh, my Speak to the rock. It says, and you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him should not be confounded. Not only are we here and we have that precious elected cornerstone, but also you are a part of it. You as lively stones, you're a part of that stone. It's not just another something in the midst of us, but speak. And what are you speaking to the God that's in you? You're part of it. Now remember, Brother Branham says, the mighty God unveiled before us, Genesis 18. He says, you remember God was a man standing there eating and talking with Abraham and told what Sarah was doing in the tent behind him. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Deity veiled again in human flesh. Now I know there's a lot of people in and around the message that want to put that all on William Branham. But let me tell you, it wasn't all on William Branham. That was a portion of it. But there was a whole lot of other people that went into the promised land. There was a Joshua that led the people, but there was a Caleb too. And there wasn't just a Caleb that said, give me my mountain. There was a Phineas that says, I ain't going to put up with the sin in the camp. Oh, my. There was a lot of real believers there that were possessing their land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a deity again veiled in human flesh. He says, now remember, Jesus didn't say when the Son of God is being revealed. In Luke, the 17th chapter, I believe that that is the 20th and 21st verse. He says somewhere along there. He says, but now when the Son of Man is being revealed, he said, the Son of Man, not Son of God, Son of Man. He said, back in the church again, revealed in human beings, 
Not son of God, but son of man again. He keeps repeating it over and over. Why? Because it's a different change, a different dispensation. Because what is happening? Oh my, we could preach all night now. But it's Jesus that steps out from the midst of the stone of the throne as the lamb that had been slain. He steps out to take the book and becomes the son of man. Ministry comes down again. Oh my. It says back in his church again in the last days, we find out what he promised that in God's promises. As we notice another thing in the Old Testament, I have the scripture here in Exodus. He says that the old badger skins, what did it do? Those old badger skins around the, around the tabernacle, it hid the glory of God from the people. The badger skins, even people couldn't see it because it was a skin that held it. The glory of God was behind skin. And now, 1964, and now the glory of God is behind the skin of William Branham. No, this little glory of God is behind your skin. That's right, and the traditions don't see it. It's inside the veil where the word was. Oh, hallelujah. 1961, he says, And this angel, Elohim in flesh, looked at Abraham and said, Why did Sarah laugh, saying within herself, These things could not be? See that kind of sign the elected church got? See what kind of sign Billy Graham gives? What kind of sign would Billy Graham give? Get out of Sodom. Get out of Sodom. You got to be saved. Get out of Sodom. But not for the elected. That wasn't just where it stopped. Because they'd already separated themselves. Oh, my, if you haven't already separated yourself, do it. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers. He says this, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. God in your flesh manifested. Manifesting. Uh, didn't Jesus say as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Do you see it now? Now we're just past justification. We're past sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and placing of the gifts of the Son in the church. Now it's God manifesting himself for that sign. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to read this one one more. But eventually, in the fullness of time, there came one, the head, even Jesus, who also must be tempted to see if he could live by every word. That proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then was Satan foiled. Oh my. Because he finally met his match. For there was one who lived by it is written. And that masterpiece of God overcame by reflecting God's word. Then was this manifested perfect one given to the cross. As the perfect Lamb of God for the perfect sacrifice. And on the tree he received the wounds unto death. That we by him and because of him might eat of the tree of life. Oh hallelujah. That same tree of life that was guarded from the garden of Eden from the fall. That the cherubim with the flaming sword stood there. Now with the Lamb being slain. Now with the atonement being made. He says you've got a way to eat from the tree of life. And then that life freely given would enable us to overcome and express the word of God. Not just a reflection, but an expression now. Because it's Jesus in the church and the overcomer once again. 
And now that these sons of God who by him overcome are given the privilege of the paradise of God. And the constant fellowship of Jesus Christ. Oh my, what more do you want? You got the paradise. You got the constant fellowship. Uh, You could just sit by the wayside and beg for it, but you ain't going to get it that way. You're going to have to get up. And start walking. You're going to have to get up and start making footsteps. Because he doesn't say sitting down is possession. He says footsteps is possession. Footsteps is possession. Wherever the feet of the soles of your feet would tread. I've given it to you. Amen. He says your feet shall tread upon the enemy. Your feet shall tread upon the enemy. He'll bruise your heel. You'll bruise his head. It's a pretty specific about the part of the body. Get up. Hallelujah. Say, but the devil knocked me down. Good, you'll be stronger when you get up again. He says, whither he goes, his bride will go. Think about this. And now, we read the scripture, and now are we the sons of God. And now to these sons of God, who by him overcome are given the privilege of the paradise of God and the constant fellowship of Jesus Christ. There will never more be any separation from him. You ever wonder, maybe I have to go through some tribulation. No, if, he's in, if you're overcoming by him, the spirit of Christ is in you. You never have to be separated from him again. Whither he goes, his bride will go. What does that say? Well, as long as he's here in the midst of his church, his bride will be here. But when he goes, all that's in his bride is gone. I don't really like that song very much. We'll be like a bride waiting for you. We're ready, and he's ready. And whenever he decides not to come, but to go, we're going with him. Brother Benham didn't see just a vision of the New Jerusalem coming down. He saw the bride going up. Oh, my. He says, oh, and whither he goes, his bride will go. What is it? He shares with his beloved on a joint heir relationship. Well, you could, you could spend hours on every sentence here. The secret things will be revealed. The dark things will be made plain. What dark things? All the tricks and tactics of the enemy. When he's exposed, he's powerless. Every trick of the enemy will be completely exposed and is completely exposed. It says, in the secret things will be revealed, the dark things will be made plain. We shall know him as we are known. We shall be like him This is the heritage of the overcomer who has overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Say, oh, Brother Andrew, that's that's way off in the future. That's that's millennium. That's No, that's now. If you want to be there, you got to be in him now. Say, what about my humanity? Is it just I'm living in such a heavenly place? No, we still got this flesh. We still deal with this flesh. But read 
touched on it so well this morning. We still deal with things that, but let our fleshly intakes be good. This is hallelujah. There are some who have the Spirit of God that stands for the word incarnate. Then he says this, in, it's in parentheses. This is Christianity versus idolatry. This is 1961. He says, hallelujah. That's the worst hallelujah I ever said. Hallelujah. There are some who have the Spirit of God that stands for the word incarnate. Then he says, God, increase our ranks. Not God, start doing the work. God, increase our ranks. The word, nothing but the word. Take that word where Jesus said in there, all heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall not. Oh, no wonder. I'm so happy this flesh can't be redeemed. That might sound weird, but I'm so happy because that means it's going to fall away one day. But all that's in the word is going to take flight. Hallelujah. It can't pass away. Musicians, you better come. Amen. But, but all that's in the word, it can't pass away. But this flesh, it'll just drop away. And I'm going to step from time into eternity. Put the, take away this mortality. Put on immortality. Put away this corruption. Put on incorruption. To the world, that is the craziest thing you could ever say. <laughs> They're looking at medical science to try and get eternal life. How's that going for them? But there's a bride that's already got it. Hallelujah. And it's so powerful that there was Moses that, that because he broke the word of God and he didn't speak to the rock the second time, it said he smote it. And God said, oh, come up on the mountain here, Moses. Look over the promised land. Because he did that. Now, Moses, maybe he could have complained and said, but God, I stopped you in your anger. Now, in my, no, it wasn't because of Moses' anger. Because he broke the word. He didn't listen to the word of God. No matter what the anger was, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that he didn't listen to what God said and do what God said do. God said speak, don't smite. Can't, the word of God will not be broken. So he brought him up there. He said, listen, I can't let you go over and possess this because you've broken my word. But I got something special in mind for you. Because <laughs> you're not going to die anyways. And there come Lucifer down and he starts to dispute with Michael about the body of Moses. You find that in the book of, was it Jude? I think it's Jude, yeah. And you find that there, tell me the I don't know. Come on, buddy. But there he is and he says that he disputed with, with, with Michael over the body of Moses. And Michael didn't look at him and give him some railing accusation. Who do you think you are? He said, the Lord rebuke you. Who do you think you are? The Lord rebuke you. You don't got no business where Moses is. This ain't your business. Hallelujah. When you're found in Christ, the devil might say, where's this so-and-so gone? There might be a rapture take place, and he's wandering around, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? Ain't your business, devil. Yeah. It ain't devil's business what Ethan's up to. It ain't the devil's business what Brother Ed's up to. It ain't the devil's business what Hannah's up to. It's God's business. Oh, my, he might want to be informed where you're going this week. It ain't his business. You with me? Oh, we like to pray over it and say, you ain't God's property, or you ain't the devil's property. Devil, take your hands off of God's property. How many of you go in there and start looking at everybody else's property in the, in the, in the titles room in the city, if there's even such a thing? You start going in and say, oh, so-and-so's property. I wonder what they're doing with that. No, I don't really care. It's not my property. If you ain't the devil's property, 
He has got no business what you're doing with that property. You don't got to give him an answer. You don't got to give him an answer. Say, well, I got to answer. No, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And we finally said he had, I'm trying to quit. I'm sorry. But he, but he had something for Moses that was even better. We better stand together. That was even better that he put his arm around Moses. He said, Moses, you may not be able to cross over in there, but I want you to be there to witness the adoption of my son. Moses wasn't dead. He was very alive and well. Oh, yes. And even before that he went down, that Jesus went down into hell and, and loosed all of the saints that were stuck in that place where they were stuck waiting for the atonement to be made, before all of that, he said, Moses and Elijah, come up here. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. And let me tell you something. When we start thinking we got it figured out, be careful. God will blow your mind. <laughs> I heard it said the other day in a video, he said, this man asked, you know, what about God and where does God come from? And he said, listen, the first problem with your question of where does God come from is that you think you can comprehend. And that you think that he actually came from somewhere. <laughs> if my God can fit in the, the realms of this finite mind, he's not worth worshiping. Amen. But he can't, he chose a soul. And he come down into the soul. And every time you start thinking, all right, Lord, how's this going to happen? Watch him blow your mind. Oh, my. Every time Joshua said, oh, man, how am I going to make this happen? He met the rock there. And the rock said, just keep walking around. On the seventh day, walk around seven times. Through. Okay, Lord, that's what we're going to do. And he did that, and he conquered. Another time, he said, I need more time. What am I going to do? Sun stands still. Moon hang there over Agilon. That wasn't the mind of a man thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this day a little longer. No, it was something inside of him that began to be an expression of God saying, I need more time. Let it be so for the word of God to be manifested. Oh, praise be to God. We got so much to sing about. Exactly. Exactly what would take place now. See to the church, what is it? The incarnate word made flesh amongst his people again. The Bible says that so many times. A few times in the third seal, in the sixth seal, in the seventh seal. God incarnate. It's God again in human flesh. Why should we worry? Why should we cry? The master is here. Jesus is here right now. You know that song, Jesus is here right now? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. I feel his presence. I know he's here. That'll work. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. I Presence, I know He is here. His power. Jesus is 
is he? Sing that again. He's passing by your way. Just reach out and touch him. Is he? Oh, Jesus, is he? Let's just bow our heads together. Maybe this isn't what they want nowadays, but I feel led to do it. If you're next to a family member, why don't you just put your arm around them? If you're not, go to a family member. Put your arm around them. The Bible says that to them that believe, if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Find that if with every head bowed. I want to just pray together. You find that over in the book of Mark in the 16th chapter. It says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is here. The rock is passing by your way. If you're a believer, don't preach out for yourself. Reach out for the person next to you. Reach out for the one that you've got your hand laid on and say, Lord, come touch my brother. Come touch my sister, Lord Jesus. Lord, I take you at your word and in Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you see the faith that's here tonight, Lord. Father, maybe with the world of COVID, they said, don't touch, keep social. But Lord Jesus, you are here tonight. We don't want to listen to the wiles of the devil, Lord. We want to take the shield of faith and deflect those wiles elsewhere, Lord. And take you at your word tonight, oh God. And know that you are here to defeat every enemy, oh God. That all the power of the enemy shall be put under our feet. Lord Jesus, we do this because it's your word. Not because it's the words of a man, but because heavens and earth will pass away, but your word shall never pass away. It will never fail. It will never go away, Lord Jesus. Father, we claim these ones in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask you to heal every sick person, not just in their bodies, oh God, but every sickness in this, in the mind, oh God, in their spirit, Lord, because I know there's ones in here that are scarred deep. Lord, they've got hurts and pains, Lord Jesus, that have stopped them by the wayside. And they've become a beggar by the wayside. Oh God, I pray, bum of Gilead, that you would come down again. Let your eyes salve, oh God, come over our eyes, Lord Jesus. Reveal to us the Son of Man once more. Father, we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. There ain't one of us that could overcome on our own, Lord. But we look to you. We know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, oh God. Greater is he that's in us, Lord, making us more than a match for the enemy. That's the words of your prophet under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
we say it again under that auspices, Lord. We're more than a match for the enemy. Father, we ask, Lord, for deliverance tonight. Healing, Lord. Salvation, Father. We put it all in your hands. Let the joy unspeakable, full of glory, may abound in your bride once more. Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. And every believer said, Amen. Heavy so be it. Oh, I want to sing this song together. Because we know it's in worship. There's healing in worship. There's deliverance in worship. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just put a little more honey on the rock. That's what we're doing tonight. A little more honey on the rock. Just come and taste. God is so good. Oh, I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on Him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. Yes, Lord. Never be ashamed. This poor man cried, oh, and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. Oh, the Son of God, oh, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. His saints, He will deliver them. It's a promise. Every day and night, never 
I gotta tell you, because I didn't finish it tonight, but there was that man, that Ethiopian man that was in the chariot when he finally, Philip got a hold of him. Philip got in the chariot finally, and as they were there in the chariot, in the chariot, in the chariot, finally, someone was there that could reveal. Jesus Christ had come with Philip. There was the Lord Jesus Christ was in a man. And he began to use the lips of a man to reveal all the mysteries of the Word of God to him. And he began to reveal that Jesus Christ, he was the one that David was talking about. He was the one that Moses was talking about. He was the one that Isaiah was talking about. He was the one Ezekiel was talking about. He was the one that Daniel was talking about. He was the one that fulfilled every single one of those Old Testament scriptures. So he says, "By if he's able to fulfill all the Old Testament, why would I doubt he's able to fulfill the New Testament? He will fulfill every single promise in his word. Amen. He was so convinced. Hallelujah. He was so convinced. He said, there's water. There's water. What hinders me? Let me be baptized. Let me fulfill. If that's what it's going to take, let me do it all. Whatever it's going to take, Lord, I'm going to be on speaking terms with the rock tonight so that I know when I speak, he hears. Oh, hallelujah, we shall see the king, oh glory. We shall see the king, and then we'll close. Lord willing. There's There's a a blessed blessed time time that's coming, coming soon. 